0: welcome to building the future i'm your host kevin hark you can check out new episodes of the show every tuesday and thursday at 2 p.m if you missed an episode or want to get more information about the show please visit buildingthefutureshow.com welcome back to the show today we have emily golem she's the founder of garnish and gather emily welcome to the show
1: Thank you. So nice to be here with you.
0: Yeah, I'm excited to have you on the show, and it's nice to have somebody from Atlanta. Um, I've had, I have had—I actually had both your parents on the show a little while ago, and, and they kind of mentioned you, and I thought, oh, that's kind of interesting what you, what you guys are doing. So maybe before we kind of get into exactly what Garnish and Gather is, let's get to know you a little bit better and cover uh, where you grew up.
1: Yeah, so uh, I grew up in the Atlanta area. I grew up in um, the suburbs of Atlanta, with uh, my folks, David and Susan, who, you know, it was an interesting household to grow up in because my mom was an entrepreneur, and so we were kind of always talking business at the, at the dinner table, and I certainly kind of got thrown into the whole entrepreneurial wor- world at a young age. So uh, I grew up in the suburbs and we went to high school there and then uh, decided I needed a little space from mom and dad in the family sure. business, and so I went to college in Virginia. Um, to Washington and Lee University there.
0: So what made you go there? And what did you take there?
1: Um, So, you know, when I was kind of looking for school, something really important to me was finding a place that had a really strong sense of culture and a friendly, uh, welcoming, um, kind of a strong sense of community. And I think that that's something that I certainly have noticed myself gravitating towards as I've gotten older as well. But that was important to me from a young age, and so I was really, you know, kind of awed by the, the speaking tradition that was at Washington and Lee University, where, you know, you speak to everybody that you pass on the campus, and it was just very friendly and welcoming, and it provided a great place for me to, you know, explore and kind of turn into who I am today and explore my interest in, in academics and business, and so um, while there, I studied business and accounting, and got my head all wrapped around the numbers, which was a lot nice. of fun and something I still love. Uh, it's hard sometimes to break away from the numbers. But uh, yeah, it was it was a really lovely experience. And, you know, I, 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 always, I owe a great deal to, to Washington and Lee.
0: Sure. So you came out of university. What did you end up doing?
1: So uh, right out of university, I, I decided to move to Washington, D.C. And worked for PricewaterhouseCoopers in, a consult- in their consulting division. So we okay. were doing consulting for the federal government. And it was a really wonderful experience because, it, I, you know, it got me into a large uh, kind of corporate environment, which I hadn't had exposure to before having, you know, my parents' business is kind of what I grew up in. And I was doing consulting for uh, the federal government, primarily around accounting and financial policy. So um, it, it got... It was a great experience to get wonderful exposure, but I noticed, you know, after after about a year, my heart wasn't totally in it. And and actually, a really exciting opportunity came up to uh, join my parents in their business again and help them grow the company as they had just uh, started the relationship with their um, with the people who ended up purchasing the company. And so they knew they were in a high growth mode and kind of wanted all hands on deck and I was ready for a change at that point. So I ended up moving from um, DC back to Atlanta and coming on board initially as their um, director of culture and trying to figure out, you know, what made the culture at intimacy tick so that we would, could scale and recreate it and grow the business from at that point, it was two stores. So, you know, the plan was to have 20 stores around the country. So we needed to figure out, you know, what, what was, what were the key elements of that culture that really you needed to help it grow. So Um, Eventually, my job there turned into regional director of stores and then um, national director of stores. And So, uh, I was there for five years and it was a crazy ride. It was so much fun. It was a lot of work, but we had a really, you know, I learned so much about managing a business and watching the ebbs and flows too in this, you know, in this purchase sale agreement and seeing how those relationships evolve. Um, It was a really interesting time.
0: Sure. So what made you decide to found garnish and gather and what exactly is it
1: yeah so um i was uh very interested in cooking um and kind of always have been and then once i started to get a little bit older and you know met my husband and we were cooking more at home i got really interested in the you know the local food scene here and so i joined a um something called a csa which is a community supported agriculture program and basically what that meant is i would get a box of freshly picked produce from the farm delivered to me or that i pick up every week from a local farm in my area so you know i'd open up this mystery box of food and it would sometimes be you know a cabbage and a turnip and a rutabaga and (laughs) kale and that's awesome it was really fun It it was cool you know like I had to do a lot of searching on Pinterest for what to do with cabbage or turnips or, you know, even what the vegetables were sometimes, but I really enjoyed it. It it was a ton of fun. Um, but sometimes it was a little overwhelming. You know, there were weeks when I was traveling a lot for work and I didn't always have time to cook all the veggies in my box or, you know, I would have friends and I would try to get them on board and, they said, Hey, this is too much. Like I can't, I can't, I can't take out a mystery box of vegetables every week. Like I barely know how to make chicken stir fries. So, you know, I don't know what to do with this. And so I kept thinking there has to be an easier way to help connect local eaters with local food in a way that was a little bit more manageable and easier to get a really delicious, you know, gourmet, fun, creative dinner on the table without all the recipe planning and the prep And having to go pick up a box and all these different things. So, um, I decided to found Garnish and Gather. And so, what we do is we're a meal kit delivery company in Atlanta, and we work with all Atlanta farmers and growers. So, we, you know, mostly North Georgia folks. Um, And basically, we'll put together all the beautiful seasonal ingredients that you need to cook a really fun and creative recipe. And then we'll deliver these meals um, right to your home or to a pickup location nearby. Um, and we also have a whole online farmers' market too. so all the things that you might see um, when you shop your Saturday morning market like artisanal breads and cheeses and farm fresh eggs and all that kind of stuff we carry as well. so we are I'm totally dedicated to finding more ways to connect um, Atlanta folks with the great food that's grown and produced and made in our area and that it, it drives me every day it's I'm really passionate about it and it's it's been a ton of fun so Garnish and Gather is, is the result of all that. And I got started in this business. I guess I started Garnish and Gather almost four years ago now, which is crazy. So it's been or no, almost five years. Sorry, in five years in October. So it's it's been a really neat adventure to, to grow this business.
0: Sure. No, I, I love that. I, I think that's great. And I think more and more people are kind of really care, you know, where their foods come from. You know, obviously, they prefer to support kind of local people. But I but I think part of the challenge with that is people are busy, right? And they don't have time. Right. And I think a service like you guys are providing, I, I know, like, even my wife and I struggle sometimes just with, like, What are we gonna have for dinner tonight or you know what are we gonna have for dinner every night of the week right and then (laughs) so it's tricky right i think a lot of people want to kind of meal plan and they they want to support locally but if they don't have a service like you guys provide it's so time consuming and so much effort so I, i think it's it's much needed and i'm glad you guys are kind of tackling this problem But I'm kind of curious to dive a little bit deeper into kind of some of the dishes that you guys kind of provide. Um, You know, you have kind of a a full menu online, but just for the people that are listening, what types of dishes do you guys kind of have? And do you guys do kind of seasonal stuff or is it kind of stay the same or, or how does that kind of work?
1: Yeah, so we um, have a brand new menu, actually, that posts on our website every single week. So we've got five new dishes available every week online, and some of our favorites do come back and repeat, but we are we love variety. You know, I always like variety and what I'm eating every week and don't necessarily want to have the same tacos, you know, every single Tuesday for, for all of time. So um, some of the fun dishes that we, we do a lot from everything from, you know, kind of, Asian and Thai and Korean inspired dishes to your classic European, you know, like a piccata or French dishes to kind of good old fashioned Southern stuff like barbecue. So, you know, some of the dishes for instance, on our menu this week are Korean chicken bowl um, with quinoa and greens and broccoli and summer squash. Um, Just last week we did a really fun artisanal stuffed pasta dish. So this is from a local pasta maker in town. So he made a spring pea pasta and, We served it in a white wine lemon sauce with um, a date and Parmesan and celery salad on the side. Um, Coming up on our menu next week, we've got, you know, more of a southern style dish of buttermilk pork chops with blistered tomatoes and green beans and cornbread. So we try to, you know, have a little something for everybody. And, of course, we try to have a variety of meats we will have, you know, pork chop dishes and steak and some vegetarian dishes as well as lots of chicken and shrimp and fish so you know it's been really fun getting to see all the different things that are available locally and we try to source locally as much as possible in terms of all of our our proteins although we do still offer wild-caught salmon and and things like that too just for some variety Um, but we do work seasonally so you know you'll see on our menu right now as we're coming into summer in Georgia we've got things like um, cherry tomatoes are coming in season. We've got peaches and lots of greens and um, some broccoli and strawberries. And so you'll see a lot of those things on our menu. And you know, likewise, when January hits, you'll see a lot of oranges and uh, turnips and carrots and the things that are more seasonal in the winter. So we, um, our chefs have to get really creative sometimes, you know, when you're in the depths of February and March and there's not <laughs> sure. a lot of fresh stuff growing. Um, but it's amazing what you can do, and especially with different flavor and seasonings and different um, kind of menu profiles, how how much fun you can have even with those types of ingredients that some folks might not get as excited about.
0: Sure. No, th- that makes a lot of sense. And that was going to be kind of my next question to you is like, how do you guys kind of come up with these things on a weekly basis? Because it, it probably is, can <laughs> be challenging, you know, related to the time of year as well, right? So I, I think it that's can great. Be, yeah. So. Yeah. No, keep going. Sorry. Oh no, go ahead no, I was just gonna I was just gonna say i I also noticed you guys have some kid approved items where I think, um I know sometimes like I have a couple kids of my own, and sometimes just getting my daughter to eat the same thing you know that she's loved in the past again can be tricky, right so I, I think <laughs> right. it's cool that you guys actually make kind of like kid approved meals. I think that's super important, right? A lot of people have obviously kids and doing that
1: it is. You know, for us, and I I relate, you know, my, I have. Um, toddler boys, twin boys, and you know they loved something one night, and then the next night you would think you you know put the most disgusting thing on their plates when they, when of course they cleaned <laughs> the night before. So you know it's hard, it's tricky, but what we find is really effective is getting the kids involved in the cooking process as much as possible. Oh, um, helps them connect more with their food, and so we actually on all of our kid-approved recipes we um we call it our little foodies program, and so we incorporate ways to get the kids involved. Um, usually geared towards younger kids. Sure. but getting them involved in the cooking process so that they can, you know, see the different things and touch and feel. And, and it's amazing when they, you know, picked the time from the stem, but they're a little bit more interested in figuring out where that went and what that tastes like uh, in the finished product. And so getting the kids involved in the recipes, and, of course, you know, making some flavor choices that are going to be a little bit more mild, um, things that are a little bit more kid-friendly, too, we find really works. Um, so, for you know, building lifelong healthy eating habits to us is, is something that can start by just having great family dinners around the table and getting the kids involved in that experience and that process. And we find even for older kids, you know, once they get into teenage age range that um, letting the kids take out the menu choices and, you know, then sometimes they'll start to cook the G&G meal all on their own, which is one of my favorite things to see when I hear that, you know, my 13-year-old daughter cooked dinner for us last night and you know, didn't want our help. She wanted to do it all on her own and it was simple enough that she could handle it and you know, at only a few questions. That was that's pretty cool.
0: That is really cool, actually. So it seems like just kind of looking online here, and the, the research I was doing a bit before your meal, once I get the stuff is 15, 20 25 minutes or so to prepare? Is that kind of a common time you guys try to make meals that you can cook them in and prepare them in?
1: Yeah, so we really target to try to get all of our meals on the table and, you know, under 30 minutes with about 20 minutes of active preparation time. And also, you know, making sure that we're not dirtying every pan in your kitchen. So (laughs) we want to try to simplify it in ways where it's like, two, you know, generally two, maybe three pans for a complicated dish. Um, Two pans in, you know, 20 minutes and you're in and out of the kitchen. So it doesn't have to be, you know, a huge ordeal because we all, you know, life happens and there are, it's a, weeknights are busy and you don't always have time to make the big gourmet elegant dinner that you know you might have in mind and so we want to make sure that our dishes fit that set of, sort of lifestyle
0: sure and you guys also do desserts which i i think a lot of people appreciate
1: <laughs> we do we actually just launched our dessert kit program which has been so much fun to test in my kitchen. I absolutely <laughs> love that part. Um, so, yeah, that's been really neat. So we started it in, uh, in early March, and they've just been flying off the shelves. It's been it's fun. We try to make all the dessert kits about 10, 10 15 minutes of active time um, and try to include a lot of the fresh seasonal fruit, which is this is a great time of year to do it. When we've got strawberries and peaches and blueberries. are coming in season pretty soon. So there's so many delicious desserts you can do with that stuff. It's Awesome. Sure. So walk
0: me through kind of the whole ordering process to actually like putting it on or, or like me getting it because you kind of covered it at the beginning. But just for the listener. So I, I, I go to the website. Then what do I need to kind of do?
1: Absolutely. So you go to the website and then on our menu page, you'll see the five uh, dinner options that we have available that week. Uh, So just pick out, you know, whichever ones that you want to do, and you can order them to serve either two people or to serve four people. And you can mix and match. So if you want to, you know, do one for for just, you know, the mom and dad one night, and then the next night, the whole family dinner, you can do that too. Um, And then you can choose to order just one time if you want to try it out. But we encourage folks to sign up for a membership, which is absolutely free. It'll actually save you $5 on your orders each week, which is a great deal. And that just simply helps to memorize your information and get you on a recurring schedule so we can help you remember to choose meals. Um, And it's super easy. You can pause or cancel anytime. So there's no minimums, no commitments. Um, So we encourage uh, folks to to do the membership. And then um, we also have a whole grocery store. So after you pick out your meals, you can add on any groceries that you want to add. So you've got some really fun lunches like um, like a a Caesar salmon wrap or a great chicken salad dish or um, we have a taco salad coming up soon or some soups we have too. So we have some things for like really fast dinners when you really only have five minutes. we got some great options for that too. And then, of course, eggs, breads, cheeses, all the other stuff you get at the grocery store. Um, so you can add all those things under your order and then you pick do you want your meals delivered or do you want to pick them up at a pickup location and either one works for us. And then um, meals will be delivered either Sunday or Monday depending on your location And so um, we ask for folks to order on our website by Wednesday at midnight and then that gives us time to work with our farmers, to get all the fresh produce harvested and packed and ready to go and then we deliver on Sundays and Mondays um, right to your home or pickup location and the meals will stay fresh for you till Thursday or Friday that week so there's no rush to enjoy it because you know when we're delivering you kale on Monday, that was kale that was harvested you know Saturday morning fresh for us. So it's you know everything is super fresh and we'll really keep. And then um, when you get home, all you need at home for most meals is olive oil, salt and pepper and everything else is in your bag. So it's a, it's a really fun way to cook and just help take care of dinner a couple nights a week.
0: Sure. So you mentioned pickup locations. What types of places are your kind of typical pickup locations?
1: So we partner actually with a lot of wine stores. Oh, um, wine okay. stores tend to be a really good partner for us just because um, they it's great to be able to go in and pick up your G&G meals and then a bottle of wine to go with it if you want. Of course, you don't have to, but it's, sure. it's always a nice excuse.
0: Um, <laughs> but
1: we have a lot of other partners too that you know uh, just have become great community partners in Atlanta, like a couple olive oil stores who sell really beautiful artisanal olive oils, um, Let's see, we've got a few places like um, just, you know, some community supporters like a Patagonia, um, you know, outdoor apparel store or a um, like some fitness locations, too. So, you know, there's quite a variety of different partners that we work with um, as our pickup locations. And the general theme is just tends to be, you know, good people and wanting to support local community and local local food. No, I,
0: I think that's really great. The other thing that I'm, I'm curious to know about, how do, your, what it, how do you guys accommodate people with, with allergies? Like myself, I'm celiac, so can I get kind of gluten-free options with you guys? Or
1: Yeah, so we have gluten-free options available every week on our website. Um, so we do list the allergens for our meals. Um at the bottom of each menu description so you know if you have sensitivities or allergies that you're trying to avoid um we can provide some really great solutions we do process um, all all of our food is processed in a facility that processes wheat and nuts so if you have very 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 sensitive allergies we might not be the best fit but we do uh, generally process all of our ingredients you know independently so that there is not cross-contamination
0: sure no and I, I think that's All people can really kind of expect, right? Like, I just having an allergy, I I get that. So, so I'm curious though, how do you guys kind of find the farmers and and people that are supplying you guys kind of the food um, for for garnish and gather?
1: Yeah. So you know, in the very beginning, it started out that I just went to a lot of farmers markets in Atlanta and started talking to the farmers and hearing about what they were growing and if they were interested in, you know, partnering with us to help provide some of their, you know, beautiful, beautiful produce for our meal kits. And so it was really slow in the beginning, which, you know, kind of is how all great things start. And we just started to build relationships from the ground up there. And it's been cool. We've been working with many of the same farmers now for you know, all five years, which has been really neat. And now we're, we're really growing together. And so, so we'll put together growing plans and schedules with our farmers Um of produce that we know that we're going to want, you know, like right now we're looking at fall and what things that we're going to be wanting for fall. And they're, they're planning their, their crop, their crop plans and seed buying and all that sort of stuff. So, um, that's been really cool. But whenever somebody comes, comes and knocks on our door or shoots us an email or a phone call, we're always receptive and want to hear about what they're growing and see if it could fit in with what we're looking for. Um, for farmers, you know, we look for folks that are in the North Georgia area who are either certified naturally grown or certified organic, which means that they're using organic organic growing pro- practices. Um, but for other food purveyors, we're looking for, you know, anyone doing unique and creative things in in the Atlanta area or North Georgia. Um, like we've got a gal who makes sourdough crackers, which are my absolute favorite. They're so <laughs> addictive and delicious, and so from things like that to jams and preserves you know, all sorts of stuff, but we're, we're, we love our community and we always are looking for new, new products that we can carry and, and different, different things to, uh, you know, be able to share with our customers.
0: Sure. And I also think it's really cool how you have kind of like little stories and pictures about, you know, the farmers and, and kind of the people that provide you guys, you know, different things. I, I think that's kind of really cool and kind of like a nice, like human touch to things. Right. Cause I think, like you go to the grocery store and you're like I don't know where this came from, right? You have no idea, right? But it's cool that you guys have all these like different stories about the different types of people and families and the stuff they kind of provide.
1: Yeah, I mean, for me that was one of the one reason that I loved being a part of the local food scene when I was doing my CSA before I started garnish and gather. You know, I I loved the newsletters that I would get every week telling me about the baby goat that was born on the farm that week or, you know, even when it was things like, hey, we didn't get the tomatoes this week because we had a problem with our tomato crop, you know, it just made it feel real because we all had a rainstorm last week and things got, you know, it, it just, you had this sense of connection, not only with the fact that it was, these this is produce and food grown in a way you can feel good about with the sustainability, but also that these are real people and that you're supporting this family. And so that's been so big for us. Um, you know, just a few weeks ago we went and visited one of our um, one of our biggest farmers and suppliers, red earth organics and so you know Dave and his wife, Belinda, who owned the farm, walked us around and talked to us about what was growing and the new fields that they were working on um, cultivating and why this field was out of rotation um, for this for this particular crop this year. And it was just so neat to be able to hear about about how it was working for them and how they're supporting their family through this business and you know why they're not doing pigs anymore and what happened with the chickens and why they don't have eggs or why they're going to have, you know, goat milk coming up soon. So it's, for me, that personal connection and story is, is really important, not only in what I do and that I want to feel like every day we're, we're doing business in a way that's supporting other families and doing good and giving back, but also, for our customers to feel that sort of connection with the food that they're eating and know that sometimes we might say it's zucchini and they might get a yellow squash in their meal because that's just how mother nature worked that week. You know? <laughs> sure. like, this is real food and this is just how this works. And I, I love it. I think it's just so much fun and the stories and get, the ways we get to know our farmers is, is really special.
0: No, that that's really great. So I'm curious to know It seems like you have like a pretty decent amount of of chefs at least on your site but how big is kind of your team that kind of runs this because it seems like there's a lot of kind of moving parts and components to this whole thing
1: yeah so you know what i was always really good at was kind of orchestrating and managing and so i actually did not have any culinary background when i got into this business and i I still don't have any formal culinary training and so When I decided I wanted to start Garnish and Gather, I realized early on that what I needed to do was surround myself with a team of really great chefs. And they might not work directly for me, but, you know, people that I could trust and know that were there to help support the business. And so we actually, um, we have our operations and manager, president of operations and culinary director has a culinary background, but she's the only person on our team that does. And the rest um, of the chefs that we work with, we work with on more of a consulting basis, okay. and so you know they help us to write these great recipes and develop, um, you know, develop different um, components that we need to, to build a really strong menu. And that's been a—it's been a really big asset for us because we're able to kind of leverage a lot of brain power and bring a lot of people into the fold and what we're doing who feel really. Strongly and passionately about the business, but do it in a way that works for a small business like us, without you know necessarily growing our, our cost and you know that that core headcount.
0: Sure. No, I I think that's awesome. So, and it kind of leads me into my next question: How did you kind of fund this at the beginning? Did you raise some money? Did you self fund? Kind of walk me through that process.
1: Yeah. So we were we were were and are self funded. Okay. Um So we we have. Um, basically friends and family to help us get started. And then um, from there on out, we've we've done it, you know, kind of bootstrapped and done it on our own. And that's, for me, that's been a big deal. Um, You know, watching uh, the transition that my parents went through with their company with Intimacy with bringing in outside investors. I think that um, that certainly directed me to want to self-fund and do it on my own and, and really make it, make it mine Um, because you know when when the road gets tough and as all businesses will go through tough times and certainly we have as well it's nice to feel that you're supported by a you know the friends and family who might have helped out in the beginning and also just not feel like you are you know beholden to a big corporate investor who might have different priorities for the business than we did
0: no i i think that's great and partly why i asked that is because to my comment a few minutes ago about like there's a lot of things that you need to kind of like you have a lot of moving parts right with like deliveries and meal prep and coming up with the meals and and all this stuff right just being able to kind of if you can fund that yourself and kind of bootstrap that it like to your point it's a lot easier to uh, obviously keep control right and not have this outside mm-hmm. outside influence if, if something gets kind of you know you go through a, a weird month or, or something for whatever reason, you know you can you can kind of accommodate that and and I love that story that you you've done that to to this to the date and so I'm curious though are you guys looking to just stay in Atlanta do you want to eventually move into other cities or how do you replicate kind of this complete personal you know touch that you guys have got in Atlanta into another city
1: yeah i think that is going to be a really unique challenge for us uh, certainly I- I do plan down the road to be able to expand Garnish and Gather to other cities across the U.S. I think it'll always be a more slow and measured uh, growth strategy that we have rather than a, you know, massive, big expansion plan. Um, So, you know, when we I think the first when we when we start to expand, which I imagine will be the next couple of years, we'll have to really be thoughtful about how to do this. And I'm not sure right now if that means that we find. Um, you know, really strong advocates in other cities who can help lead the growth. Or if we try to bring our own teams in to help make build those relationships, make those connections, I think it'll probably end up being a mix of both. Um, And so we'll have to be really thoughtful because it is about um, trying to find ways to replicate that personal sense or touch in the business and making it a really personal and community-based Um, business is what makes us successful and so that's that is a hard thing to replicate I also think that there are a lot of great um, kind of food delivery services in other cities that might have slightly different models Uh, for instance like a like a farmer's market delivery company might you know I know there's many of those in different cities that already have some of those relationships with the farmers and have already established themselves in the community. So I think there might be some interesting ways to partner with organizations like that as well.
0: No, I I think that makes a lot of sense. And it, it's interesting because when you build something kind of so personal to kind of a city, it's hard to replicate that. So I, I that's an interesting, you know, kind of thing. And I'm, I'm really curious to see what, where you take that because you're right. And I'm also glad that you're honest about kind of the challenges with going to another city, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think if it was easier, we might have already tried it, but the, the the challenges that stand in our way to do that are are many. And I think that we at this moment in time have decided that our energy is really best focused on building Atlanta and making Atlanta as strong as it can possibly be. And then I think down the road we will look to to other cities, but I'm not I really don't know exactly how that's going to look. And I think that there's a lot, you know, I, I could be convinced in a lot of different directions about what the right moves would be. And so I think we'll just kind of have to see how that plays out a little bit.
0: No, I, I think that's great. So I'm kind of curious, is there anything on the horizon that you guys are kind of working on that that's kind of up and coming for for Garnish and Gather? Like, I think when we originally talked obviously you were doing the meals and stuff, but it seems like you guys have added more stuff under your groceries area. And you, you mentioned you just recently added desserts. Is there anything else kind of up and coming in the, in the near future that people can look out for?
1: Yeah, I think that uh, we are really excited about expanding our prepared food offerings. So I think that there's going to be a lot of fun things coming in, in that category. And okay. um, what we've learned is that there p- people are busy. And so the, the, as many easy to eat, you know, easy to heat type dishes that we can provide, I think that there's a lot of opportunity there. But we're also trying to look for ways to build deeper connections for our customers with the Atlanta food community. And so we're we're toying around with some fun ideas with some different chefs in town and kind of ways that customers can can get to get a little bit more of an inside Inside peek behind some of the top chefs in town and what they're doing and how we can build that sense of connection there. Also with the farmers and finding ways that we can do some events on the farms and get to know your farmers a little better. So um, building community, I think, is something that we are pretty excited about and got some fun ideas on cooking about how that's going to look in the future.
0: Sure. Have you guys ever thought about doing a a lunch kind of offering where I literally just like it shows up the night before. Or or like Sunday or Monday or whatever, and then you know I just can basically heat it up in the microwave at the office. Is is that something that you guys would ever consider doing?
1: Yeah, I think that's a really good idea. I mean, we we have right now some kind of cold lunch offerings, but I would love to get into more of the you know ready to ready to heat healthy, quick and easy lunches that. Would be great for the office because isn't it hard whenever you're you're at the office and you're like, what am I gonna do for lunch yep. today? And there's just nothing, nothing you want to eat. So I think that's a really great idea. I like that a lot.
0: Yeah, because those like frozen TV dinners you get at the grocery store just aren't that great.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I've had one too many Lean Cuisine's in my life, right? <laughs>
0: yeah, like the past is like rock hard, and yeah, it's not great. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So, so I'm kind of curious. We're kind of coming to the end of the show. So what? what it kind of we didn't really kind of cover the cost of of the meals and i I know it's kind of different based on what i pick but what's kind of the rough range of and maybe let's go with like a family of four kind of spends maybe a monthly with you guys or even maybe weekly what's kind of the cost that people can kind of expect
1: yeah so um a meal for for a family of four is with us, we try to keep all the pricing really standard. It's $54 for meal that serves four people, and $28 for meal that serves two. Okay. Um, and so families can pick really however, however they want. So if you wanted to order every single week and you wanted to order five meals a week, you can do that. If you wanted to order every other week and just order one meal, you can do that too. Um, you can add on unlimited number of groceries or just get a couple. So we have some families that are doing, I think they're almost their entire grocery shopping with us every week. They're getting three and four meals, a ton of groceries, you know, spending a couple hundred bucks. And then we have some folks that say I, we just want one meal for two and it's 28 bucks and it's super easy and simple. So what we found is that when you cost out all the ingredients for our meals, when you buy them at the grocery store versus um, getting a, an actual G&G meal, it's about um, 25 to 30% cheaper. So, so, you know, sometimes folks are like, oh my gosh, well... I don't want to spend that or this and that. But, you know, when you're trying to actually get these ingredients, it's really hard to walk out of Whole Foods for less than a hundred bucks, I find, you know, or at least it's, it's, it's tough to be able to do meal planning and grocery shopping for, you know, if you buy, um, all, all five meals with us, you know, you can't, there's no possible way you could cook five dinners for, for less than that. So, we find that it's actually super cost-effective and helps people save a little money because when you're planning ahead, you're usually a little bit more thoughtful and don't do as many of those impulse buys as you might at the grocery store. So I think it can be a great solution, especially great for folks that are budgeting a little bit too.
0: No, I, I think that's great. And I think too, the other thing that's important here is like time, right? Because yeah, I might have to go to the grocery store to get, you know, my meals. I have to plan those meals. But the other thing too is like, then I have to go to a farmer's market if I want peaches or I, I don't know. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and those things, at least the ones kind of by my house, can be packed or you have to drive. And like a lot of people don't have time for that, right? So I think right. just the time savings, too, is valuable. And I think a lot of people don't consider that sometimes when they're looking at kind of an option like you guys are providing.
1: Yeah, I mean if you, if you start to calculate the value of your time and go into the grocery store and then go into the farmer's market and then go, if you wanted to get that, you know, artisan meat or whatever it might be, it, it can add up so fast. And, you know, I always think, okay, well, I just won't meal plan for, you know, Wednesday night and we'll figure it out and just eat snacks. But most of the time we end up doing takeout and my Uber Eats bill is always way more than I would spend on buying (laughs) that food at the grocery store. And, it doesn't always taste as good as something that I would be able to make in, in a meal kit. You know, so it always sounds better in the beginning. And then by the time you were done with it, you're like, gosh, well, that just wasn't as good. And it was more expensive than I wanted it to be. So I've now just started planning out, you know, a bunch of meals every week. And, and I'm always so amazed that by Friday night, I'm like, gosh, you know, we've actually had really healthy, delicious dinners every night of the week. And I hardly had to lift a finger for it. So. Yeah, super
0: convenient. No, I I think that's great. But Emily, we're coming to the end of the show, so maybe let's close with mentioning again, just maybe give like a quick overview of what Garnish and Gather is and where they can get more information and start ordering their meals.
1: Absolutely. So Garnish and Gather is Atlanta's online meal kit and grocery store. We deliver meal kits with um, produce sourced directly from Georgia Family Farmers and they're healthy, they're organic, they're delicious. Um, you can learn more at garnishandgather.com on our website. Uh, we have a brand new menu every single week, so definitely check it out. There's five new dishes available that you can order online. Just order by Wednesday night for your delivery on Sundays and Mondays.
0: Perfect, Emily. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time of your day to be on the show, and I look forward to keeping in touch with you, and have a good rest of the day.
1: Thank you so much. Appreciate it.
0: Thanks. We'll talk soon.
1: Bye. Okay. Bye.
0: Thanks for listening. The music for the show is done by Electric Mantra. You can check them out at electricmantra.com and keep them for the future.